So there's a thing called the relationship escalator. So in monogamy, if you meet a person, you date them, you go into a relationship, then you get engaged, you get married, you get a house together, you have children, you raise children, you retire together, and that's the whole relationship escalator. There are people who, like me, who solo poly, I don't go along the relationship escalator. I'm not interested in cohabitating with anyone. I'm not interested in commingling finances with anyone. And I'm not interested in raising children with anyone. That would mean we would have to figure out how we want to navigate relationships outside that has nothing to do with the relationship escalator or what I call the business of marriage. I am learning so much. You are now listening to another episode of the Kinky Heathen Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. I like to ask all my guests about two kinks and or fetishes to see how many they actually do know. I've got two for you right now. And let's start with ergophilia. E-R-G-O-P-H-I-L-I-A. Ergophilia. I just know that philia means a love of something, but I have no idea what the ergo would be. What is that? Think ergo as in ergonomics. It's the love of work and labor. I have not ever. Hey, if they have a name for it, somebody was into it. Yeah, it's on my kinks list. I got have, it's not a full list, but I've got like 248 different kinks that I've found thus far. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Now for the second one, erythro. This one got me too. Someone who's into urethras? Erythro exit. That's the reddening of your skin when your cheeks flush. Interesting. Erythrophilia means becoming aroused by blushing. Look at me learning something new. Today's guest is Vero. They were born a woman, and if you were lucky enough to see them in the wild, you'd assume that they were a woman. I personally try to refer to everyone using they, them pronouns, but she said you can use she, her. She identifies as pansexual. I'm going to let her tell you what that means. V? Pansexual for me is that I have an attraction to just people, regardless of their sexual orientation or gender representation. And as far as aromantic, I am on the aromantic spectrum. means I do not comprehend romanticism in my relationships. So how people have romantic relationships, I don't comprehend that or subscribe to that within my relationships. It's just easier to put both of those under just queer. When you say you don't comprehend, as in you don't feel those sort of things or you just don't understand how other people do? I don't feel those things. I understand when people talk about it in relation to themselves, but I don't understand it in my individual relationships or connections. I understand that. I actually read that. The earliest use anyone can find of aromantic was in the early 2000s, like circa 2002. So that seems really recent. And apparently it was on a, like a Yahoo board way back when, where, where this person was asking, does anyone else just not feel that romantic thing? Like, like they're attracted to people, but not in the romantic way. And people answered and it just became a bigger thing. This seems like a good place to interject. If you're like me, you were a little confused about what does it mean that she doesn't feel romance? Because some people attribute romance to the flowers, to doing nice things. But I'm going to explain it to you the best way I know how. Forgive me, I'm going to do this example using heterosexual terms because I am straight. 
not because we live in a heteronormative society, meaning that everything is based on being straight, just like, you know, white people are the default. Okay, here we go. My best friend says, wake up. We're going out to eat into the museum. Get dressed. Get cute. And we go out. She pays, and it's great. Because I'm not into women, and we're just friends, it's a platonic friendship. There's no traction. But since I like men, if a man says, wake up, we're going out to eat into the museum. Get dressed. Get cute. And we go out. He pays and does all that. Paying is not important, but that's what I like. Figured I'd throw that out there. That's something completely different. Now, I feel like he's romancing me because I'm attracted. I can even use a platonic male friend, a male friend that we're not attracted to one another. We literally just homies. Let me try one more thing to sum it up. Imagine if you were in a relationship and this person, they feel like your best friend, so close that they're like family, but not like you would think a girlfriend or boyfriend would be. That's because there's no romance. Think about that. Now, back to the show. I've got some questions about your younger years, your more formative years. Did anything stand out, such as a a time when you first knew you desired something different? Yes. When I was younger, I already knew I didn't want to be married. I was not the girl who dreamt about her dream wedding, being married, having a husband. That just was not my thing. I knew that as I was still in my single-digit years when I figured that out. I also had read probably when I was in my early teens coming out of preteen, I happened upon a book that talks that was about a it was a fictional book and it was about a DS, a dominant submissive relationship. And I was fascinated by that dynamic. So then I knew that I wanted different things. We'll go back to the dominant and submissive because I've got some questions about how it relates to kink. I want to dive further into your youth. When you were coming of age, you hit puberty, high school. How did you navigate those social pressures around romanticism? Because people want to be in couples. They want to go to prom, the group dates, the, all of that. Yeah, I did not date a lot growing up. I had my first boyfriend when I was probably around the time that I knew I did want to get married. And it was, I guess, one of the first boys I had a crush on. And we um, dated for like less than five minutes. Then the next time I got involved with someone, I was in high school. I had two boyfriends. Each of them, I probably dated less than two weeks. Other than that, there were different boys that I was cool with. They were my buddies and my friends, but I did not think about dating or was focused on dating or tried to date because it just seemed like too much to do that and to try to make it through school. And they were all monogamous. When you say boyfriend, people assume that is in a romantic way that in order to have a boyfriend, it has to be romantic. How does that, how did that relationship play out? At the time, because I didn't know about it, about non-romantic relationships or what non-monogamy was, I pretty much was doing what everybody else did, following the same type of social norms and concepts. So I just know I like this person and this person like me. They're like, you want to go together? Sure. Then you go together. <laughs> and now you're working with your girlfriend. And you pretty much, I guess it just really wasn't that super serious. It was more like, okay, yeah, people know that we go together. We might hold hands. We might kiss. 
or something like that. But that was the end all be all of the relationship because we were in high school. <laughs> and for me, it didn't feel really any different than being friends with someone. It was just this added socially acceptable layer of being in a relationship, even though I don't think I really comprehended much, which is why they did not last very long. In those relationships, as brief as they were, and even now, how do you experience intimacy? There are different types of intimacy, just like there's different types of attraction and different types of love. Not sexual intimacy for me, because you have emotional intimacy, you have intellectual intimacy, spiritual intimacy, physical, non-sexual intimacy, aesthetic intimacy. So it's all these different types and social intimacy, affection intimacy that has nothing to do with sex. It all depends on my connection with the person. It depends on how we experience intimacy, if that makes sense. It does, but it leads me to another question. It's generally understood that intimacy can exist outside of your normal penetrative sex and uh, non-penetrative for those that engage differently. But how if you're not asexual? Welcome back to another breakout session. Asexual means someone that has no desire for sex, sexual contact, or sexual relations, typically. This doesn't fit everyone that falls under asexuality or to be asexual, but it's a pretty good guideline. Now back to the show. Well, I'm not asexual. I'm aromantic. I lean more towards uh, a term called megasexual, where the more sexually intimate you are with someone, the more you become emotionally connected or intimate with them. So you might develop feelings the more you are sexually engaged with a person. So that's pretty much how I navigate my relationships. But for me, sex is different because it's not all cakes in one umbrella for me. For me, again, I don't experience romantic romanticism, whatever that is. I'm still unclear as to what it really is. Each of my relationships are designed for me and that person. So I don't really have a blanketed way that I create or connect in relationships. So being raised in a culture or society that centers mononormative that centers monoamory or better known as monogamy is there's a blueprint and I just don't follow those blueprints of what a relationship should be so mine's are always going to be different depending on my connection with the person and what their needs are for a relationship you said so many good gems there I had never even heard of a megasexual megasexual I am definitely going to have to do some research on megasexual. Okay, moving on. You view partnerships very differently. Let's say you met someone new. How do you explain to someone that's more familiar with the traditional boyfriend-girlfriend dynamic, if that's not what you're particularly interested in? I only am open to people who navigate relationships like I do. That way, it's less of me trying to educate or trying to communicate or find words for them to understand and for them to kind of have to deprogram or unlearn certain things. So it's mostly with a person, if we're interested in each other, what does that look like for you? What do relationships look like for you? And then I say, this is what relationships look like to me. And we see if we're compatible in that way. And then we also look at what areas we're compatible in, what interests or hobbies we are compatible with. 
just not the way that we navigate relationships because you have to have something else outside of that. And I like to start off all of my connections with friendship. So it's just like when you meet someone and you're like, you're a cool person, I'm a cool person because y'all have things in common that you want to explore. And I go from there and then we get into what does a commitment, a committed relationship look like in non-monogamy? We have so many different terms to describe what a partner is. It's all different and it's not necessarily just this is the one way and the only way. So to me, it's really like when you're a monogamous person and you want to date someone, it's cool that you're monogamous, but what else interesting do I find about you? What interesting do you find about me? How do you see long-term relationships? How do you, how do I navigate long-term relationships? So to me, it's just the same conversation. I'm just having it with more than one person. And that's where the solo poly comes in? For me, that's just where the non-monogamy comes in because I don't date monogamous people. I don't have to, there's just certain conversations or ways that I have to communicate that I don't, I would not do with a person that's monogamous. And as far as the solo poly, that's just a different way of navigating relationships. Even though some people might navigate relationships that may look like how monogamous people navigate relationships. So there's a thing called the relationship escalator. So in monogamy, if you meet a person, you date them, you go into a relationship, then you get engaged, you get married. You get a house together, you have children, you raise children, you retire together, and that's the whole relationship escalator. There are people who, like me, who solo poly, I don't go along the relationship escalator. I'm not interested in cohabitating with anyone. I'm not interested in commingling finances with anyone, and I'm not interested in raising children with anyone. That would mean we would have to figure out how we want to navigate relationships outside that has nothing to do with the relationship escalator or what I call the business of marriage. I am learning so much. And generally you're going to be in connection or relationship with people who have other relationships as well. So it's not like everybody's going to come together and live under the same roof. That's one, unrealistic. Two, the logistics of all of that people don't even want to go through. Third, there's just people who, you know, like where they, how their setup is at their house and they don't want to continue to change that when their relationships might change. When I was in a monogamous relationship, my first adult one, I moved in with them and I lived with them for almost two months. Yeah, it was like two, two and a half, three months, something like that. And from that experience, even though I was dealing in monogamy and never knew anything about monogamy, I stated that I did not ever want to live with anybody. So even if I got married, my husband and I would have to live in a different house. <laughs> like we could just not live together because that just was not something I wanted to experience or go through again. Not even the top floor, bottom floor type of thing? We could do that. You know what? I'll even go far as a duplex. People have a plan of coming together, but they don't really have a plan of when things go, when you transition or break up, how to separate things apart. So it was like this whole thing of moving in with someone. And then when things didn't work out, we having to move out. Whose name is on the lease or mortgage? It's just a lot of stuff. And I just would rather not do that. Ironically enough, I one of my best friends was like that even as a kid. She was like, she never wanted to be married. She said if she was ever in a relationship, she would just 
do all of this stuff for the relationship. But when it was over, we could then just go our separate ways without having to go through all of the things of a divorce or whatever. So she was one of the other people I knew like that. And I get it. It just works for me. Plus, I am a very introverted person. And I really like my own space with being my cat. I actually read about a couple that they wanted to solve what would happen if they broke up. It was a traditional cishet couple. They went to a divorce attorney first before they ever got married to give them advice on what on the things to think about if they commingled everything. In the article, it seemed to have worked out pretty well because it gave them some insight on seriously, who does take the TV? What happens if we had a vacation plan or any of the typical things that would happen in a relationship if you commingled? There was an article out there about a couple who've been together, a married couple that's had been married 10 years, never lived in the same house. <laughs> and they are extremely happy. And more people are finding out, oh, wow, do we have to have the same living space? So even if we had separate parts of the house or separate bedrooms, how does that look like? Because when you're with someone, there are certain parts of compatibility that you are sacrificing and you need to ask yourself why. So if you live, if you're with someone and you're under the same roof, if you're a person who's a light sleeper and the other person is snore, you're sacrificing your sleep health. Why are you doing that? Just because you think society told you you're supposed to sleep in the same bed? Same no. And even doctors will sometimes say just sleep in a separate room if you have different sleeping habits, sleeping styles. And then when you live with somebody, of course, the older you get, the more you get that in the mm-hmm. way that you like your home set up. And if your partner has a different way of how they live in a home, that can be a cause of contention all the time when you try to be under one roof. Like, I like to do things this way. They like to do things that way. Sometimes there's not a compromise. There's just like different things that we just, I, in my opinion, we need to question more to have healthier relationships. I think sometimes we get too caught up about what other people will think when it's really not other people, none of their business. See, now I'm on the fence because I am the romantics, romantics. I'm talking star-crossed lovers. I'm bringing flowers and making whipped cream. I, I'm traveling the distance. I'm doing it all, or at least I used to. Now, not so much. I've had roommates and I did live with my significant other for a long time. To be honest, I'm not sure if I can do that again. Maybe it's because of how I felt about him. Who knows? You also said that you're an introvert. And part of me wonders if that plays into relationship styles because I attract introverts, but I'm not necessarily an introvert myself. I am ambivert, meaning I am equally introverted and extroverted. But as I age, I'm thinking I am more of an omnivert because I can live at the extremes of both. When we talk about relationships and living with people, I think it's a transition for everybody, but it depends on how badly you want it. Snoring, I've got to say, that just may be a deal breaker for me. Like, the meme that's going to rap, that'll do it. Yes, that'll do it. I feel like that. I have partners who snore, and I, years ago, I had traveled with some people, and a couple of people snored. We were, like, all in the same room or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start getting some earbuds. So I have partners who snore. And I just bring my earplugs and I'm going to wear my earplugs. And now I have a, a BiPAP machine. So once I do my take my sleep meds, my BiPAP machine, put my earplugs in, it's night-night. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, that's, that's my compromise. But I don't have to sleep with them every night. I feel like that would be impossible for me to do every night because I also deal with allergies. Plugging up my ears every night just would not be the thing for me. And plus, I like to sleep in my own bed. 
I really do. I love and adore my partners and I, I enjoy my time with them. At the same time, I like sleeping in my own bed because I don't like to be touched when I'm sleeping. So see, we have these different habits that, yes, I don't mind compromising that on a short-term thing, but I don't think that me being grumpy every day because I'm not getting sufficient sleep is going to work. <laughs> Since you don't see them every day, do you and your partners have the typical hierarchy type of relationship where you may have a primary, secondary, tertiary, or you might be in a V, no pun intended, or a W formation? Is that applicable? All of my connections are V's except the one triad. I don't have a hierarchy. I practice what they call relationship anarchy for me. All my relationships are at equal footing. My partners, with my family, with my friends, everybody's like on equal footing. I am what they call a descriptive secondary because my partners are already married and have their spouses who are their primary. But I don't participate in intentional hierarchies. If someone says, I married my wife or my spouse, depending on how they look, my spouse and the household comes first. I don't participate in that. I've got some more questions about that, if you don't mind. Sure. Let's go back to the V and the W. You said you have a tertiary. What is that, if you don't mind sharing, what does that look like for you? Again, the, this is more of an educational podcast than the, than the tawdry bits. My relationships are, I'm about to add another layer to it, parallel, which means my partners aren't involved with each other. They don't know each other. They don't want to meet. They don't want to be buddy, anything like that. I am what they call the hinge between the two people that I am involved with, which is how, why it looks like a B. Perfect explanation. And for your tertiary group, grouping? It is the... The three of us, the two of them are married, and we all have a relationship individually and collectively. That is beautiful. I market this show as being one where you can ask the most basic of questions because this is about education to get rid of the stigma and the ignorance mm -hmm. behind Black sex culture, sexuality, and to provide some sex ed as well. Mm-hmm. This will be airing on what is colloquially known as Side Chick Day, which is February 15th. <laughs> oh, Lord. Or, excuse me, Side Persons Day, hey. if we're going to be more correct. I know people listening are going to ask, what's the difference? For me, let me give a disclaimer. I don't use terms like side person or fuck person or, FW, or friends with benefits, FW. I don't use any of that. Because I find it sex negative. That's number one. Number two, I find it judgmental. And then number three, I feel like it's language in order to support or really push the... And I've got to cut it here. I'm sorry. Otherwise, this episode is going to be longer than 30 minutes. On the continuation of this episode, we're going to talk about the difference between what she's doing and being a side person. We're going to talk about what if you've got kids finding the one? And how do you find community if you think this might be you? I got questions and I know you do too. So tune in on the next episode for this. I'll put part two. In the meantime, we're going to talk about some people for Black History next week. And don't forget, I still got the Hedo episode coming up. But this one was just too interesting to pass up. All right. Ooh, I almost left without plugging myself. I'm your host, G.R. Heaton. This is the Kinky Heaton Podcast, and I'll see you on Tuesday. As always, let's be real, to the best of my abilities. You can find me on Instagram at the same name, on Twitter at the Kinky Heaton Pod. There's not much there. I'm working on that. Or you could text me at 707-I-M-N-O-N.
N-O-U-A-I-R-E. That spells I'm noir or I'm black, you know. You love it. I know. I do too. If you don't like it, shh. Well, not actually. Tell me I'm listening. I really do enjoy the feedback. If you can't tell, I do change things each week. If you do like it, I'm challenging you to share this with at least one person. Even if you share it and they don't like it, you can screenshot it to me and I'll talk to them about my show. 